Tonight, I want to run you through 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so the title of my message is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. It's a title of a message. Hallelujah. Amen. 2 Timothy 3 teaches us some very, very important lessons as Christians to look out for. The first half of it teaches us the dangers of the end time. And the last half of it teaches us how to position ourselves during these times how to conduct ourselves, what to look out for, and what to copy as examples so that we can fit the preparation for the coming of our Lord. The Christian must never forget that Jesus Christ will be coming back again. The Christian must never forget that we will all one day leave this earth and appear before our maker. As I've said a few weeks ago, that there are two unchangeable unavoidable statements that each one of us will hear on the day we check out of our bodies and appear before our maker. These two words, these two statements are very, very important. And you are either going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you are going to hear, depart from me, I never know you. I pray in Jesus' name that you conduct your life in such a way and your service of Christ, that you will hear only the first word. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if you want to hear those words, remember it is good and faithful servant. That means you should be serving. And you should be faithful. And you should be good. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming again. The content of 2 Timothy chapter 3 is instructive for the believer who is serious about meeting his maker. The Bible says in the verse number 1, Paul the Apostle was writing to his son Timothy. Now, when we look into the epistles, the epistles are the writings of the apostles to the churches. It starts with Paul and that of Peter and our brother John and then the, the, the one that is in Revelations, also written by John. But if you look at the New Testament, you will see that they are divided into the Gospels. And then you have the book of Acts. And then you come right from the book of Acts, from Romans all the way to the end. These are all epistles. And the epistles are di divided into at least what we call the didactic or didactic, depending on which uh, source you come from. But this is the teaching epistles. And then you've got also the prophetic one, which is the one in the book of Revelation. Now, these are teaching epistles. They teach us how to live our lives based on the revelation of Jesus Christ given to the apostles to teach us how to position ourselves. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, number one, that you should know this, Timothy. Wherever you find Timothy, put your name there. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Church, we are in the last days. The Bible says there will be difficult times. And when it talks about difficult times, it's talking about both economic, political, spiritual, etc. There will be difficult times. And God did not wish it away. It is prophetic. It has been prophesied. It will come. We are already in the last days. We get a clue of the last days. When we read our Bible, the Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in other tongues. 
people came around to mock at them or were curious to what was going on. There were mockers among them. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, stopped praying in tongues and he addressed them in Hebrew. And then he said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And so Peter quoted Joel 2.28 and says, in the last days, what is happening on the day of Pentecost is that which was prophesied what will happen in the last days. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So if the last days began on the day of Pentecost, then we are deep in the last days, as I always say. So the Bible says that in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the verse number 1, you should know this, that in the last days, there shall be very difficult times. So when you see difficult times around, as a believer, you should not be surprised. You have to know how to position yourself during these difficult times and to look out for the signs and the dangers of the last days. There will be difficult times. And as a result of this, verse 2, for people, and when he was talking about people, he's not only talking about unbelievers, he's talking about Christians, will love only themselves. They will love only themselves. And they will love their money. They won't love God. They won't love people. But they will love themselves and only their money. Are you seeing signs of that? When people must come and serve God, they worship their money. The Bible says that this is what will happen. These are the dangers and signs of the last days. Christians, some people who claim to be believers, they've been going to church. They will become lovers of themselves. They won't sacrifice anything for God. They will only sacrifice for themselves. And the Bible says, and their money. They will be lovers and worshippers of their money. I won't give my money to a church. They make statements like that. You are fulfilling end time prophecy. If you are a believer, may you not fulfill this one. May you wake up. It says, for people who love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful. And ladies and gentlemen, David one day said, my boast is in the Lord. But this sort of boast is about boastfulness in material things. Boastfulness in how fast they have been to, to prosper with their own schemes without the blessing of the Lord. They will be boastful in their material wealth. They will be boastful in their selves, in their home, in their source, in their background. They will be boasters. And the Bible says they will be proud, very proud, arrogant people. And they were in church or they will be in church, but they will not commit themselves to the things of God. The Bible says it's a sign and a danger of last days backsliding. People will become lovers of themselves. And the Bible says they'll become boastful, they'll become proud, and they'll be scoffing at God. You understand what that means? They'll be making mockery of the things of God and God himself. They'll be going, begin to question the existence of God. So when we look into our society and we see an advanced rate at which there is atheism, unbelief, and sadly, there are believers who feel there's nothing wrong with other religions, we are having a problem. You are in the last days. If you are a Christian and you find yourself scoffing at God, making mockery of the things of God, making mockery of the church of God, making fun of spiritual things, you are fulfilling end-time negative prophecy. The Bible says that they scoff at God. 
They mock at things of God. You know, sometimes people come to church and they still mock at the things of God. They mock at holy things. They make fun of things that are spiritual in church. They laugh at other people who are experiencing spiritual experiences. You are scoffing at God. You may be deceiving yourself, but the Bible says these are the things that will happen in the last days and some people that go to church will find themselves in this. And people who don't go to church will make mockery of God. We are seeing it so publicly. Even on buses, people are bold to advertise things that are against the existence of God. But ladies and gentlemen, these are fulfilled prophecies. These are prophecies that will come to pass. So when you see them, we are already in the last days. It is time to look out for God and the things of God and to be more serious with God when you see these signs. It means we are deep in the last days. He says, they will be boastful, they will be proud, they scoff at God. They make mockery of the altar of God. When you begin to make fun of holy things, it's a sign that you are backslided from God. Holy things from tithing to walking in holiness, spirituality. Reverence to the servants of God. These are all holy things. The sanctity of the altar. These are holy things. They make mockery of holy things. May God help you in Jesus' name. The Bible says they are disobedient to their parents. Rudeness. Arrogance to parents. You feel you have arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, God's word is unchangeable. Honor your father and your mother. Your days will be long. And you will prosper in the land in which he has placed you. Believe that one too. You are quick to believe no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Believe, honor your mother and your father. Your days will be long. That is also the word of God. The Bible says in the last days, people will be disobedient to their parents. And then the Bible says, and ungrateful. See, we have come to a place where Ingratitude, people are no longer afraid to be ungrateful. It's a manifestation and a sign of end-time behavior, end-time conduct. In the last days, people will be ungrateful. Ungratefulness at a higher level that the world has never seen. Ingratitude produces a curse. Ingratitude, it produces a curse. So when you walk with God, as you prepare your life, waiting for the second coming of Christ... Paul, the apostle, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, says, look out for these signs in others, but also in yourself. How grateful are you when people assist you? I'm surprised by the people in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says Jesus got to a place called Gadara. And when they arrived, there was a man possessed with evil spirits to the extent that he has been self-harming. He cuts himself. And the Bible says nobody could pass by where he was. And no one could tame him. When they bind him with stones, uh, with, with um, chains, he breaks it easily. Because he's full of satanic power. Anything you bind him or tie him with, he will just, just tear it off easily. Now you can imagine that this guy therefore was like a terror in the area. People can't take their children to school on that road because he's there. He's in the cemeteries, causing terror. You can't bury the dead. So a lot of dead bodies would have been in the morgues. And many children would not be able to go to school in that visit. Nobody could bind him. The Bible says Jesus arrived. 
and he cast these demons out of the man. There were about 2,000 of them. We are able to know because the, the demon himself spoke through the man and said, my name is Legion. It means we are many. And then we know that a legion is made up of about 2,000 or 3,000 troops. And we can guess that it is 2,000 because when they were cast out, the Bible says they entered 2,000 pigs and the pigs drowned in the sea. Now, when Jesus came to solve this terror problem for them, the Bible tells us that they decided immediately to deport Jesus. They deported him out of their country. They asked him to leave immediately. This is ingratitude. They have suddenly forgotten the help that came to them. The Bible says they immediately asked Jesus to leave their country. Ungrateful people. And there's a lot of ingratitude in our days. Be careful that you don't join the band of ungrateful people. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ungrateful people suddenly turn around and despise the place that provided refuge for them. The guns have a proverb that you don't refer to the forest that provided shelter for you as a mere bush. The forest that once provided shelter for you, you now call it a mere bush. It is a sign of ingratitude. Ungrateful people suddenly say, but what do you think you have done for me? Somebody else would have done it even if you didn't do it. You are being ungrateful. May the Lord help you to be grateful. The Bible says it is a sign of end time behavior by people who should know God first. The people he's talking about here are not just the unbelievers. He's talking about people. You see it by the end. You see that these were supposed to be people who have known God. But familiarity makes people ungrateful. Familiarity. They make people ungrateful. You begin to despise that which provided milk for you. That which provided shelter for you. So, but what do you think you did for me? After all, was it not 10 pounds? Yes, it was 10 pounds. But at that time, you needed 10 pounds so badly. You needed 10 pounds so badly, so you asked for a loan. And after that, you are not paying. When they, you receive a reminder, you are now throwing tantrums. Ungrateful tantrums. The spirit of ingratitude takes us over and we begin to despise what we once was cherishing. May God help us in Jesus' name. The Bible says they will become ungrateful. Sometimes we become even ungrateful to God. We forget that once upon a time we were available at church praying and fasting for a job. When the job came, we have stopped coming to church. The church is now being looked up, down upon as if they are begging you to come. You have forgotten that this God that made it possible, it is he that sets up one and pulls down another. Ingratitude brings a curse. Sometimes the church doesn't need to make a prayer. God himself responds to ungrateful people. The Bible says, he that rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from their house. Read your scriptures. Ungratefulness is a very dangerous spirit. And the Bible says it is a sign of end time behavior, backslided behavior, the dangers of the end times. May God help you that no matter how difficult the times become, become the Bible says in the end times, there will be difficult times, difficult times. 
means that certain circumstances will happen. But no matter what happens, remain faithful and remain grateful to God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and then the Bible says, they will consider nothing sacred. As I said earlier, they will disrespect sacred things, holy things. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us the tithe is a holy thing. <laughs> the tithe is a holy thing. Our offerings that we bring to God, they are holy things. They are holy things. Everything that we do in the house of God, is a, it must be a holy thing. The Bible says people will come to a point where they no longer consider anything as sacred or holy. Now that tells you these are people who go to church before. So the things that we used to see that this is a holy behavior, we now begin to, to, to misbehave and, 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 and sin and we no longer fear God. When you come into that place, I want you to know you have backslided. When you see a lot of that sign around, it tells you we are in the last days. You need to be very careful. The Bible says they will be unloving. Now the unloving there is referring to relationships between family members. We will begin to hate our own family. We begin to despise our own family. We begin to look down on our family members. We begin to not love people of our own family. May God help you to understand that no matter what happens, family is family. In Jesus' name. When all the world abandons you, family will be there. Jesus was preaching. He preached. He's the son of God. He's anointed. He's full of power. He is God the son. I like to call him God the son. So you understand the God part of him. Amen. Now, the Bible says that he was raised up in a home. He had a family. One day he was preaching. The Bible says his sisters and his brothers and his mother, they came near where he was preaching. And the Bible says that thousands followed him. It is true that some of his brothers did not believe at all in his ministry. John chapter 8 tells us that. However, at the cross, when all men fled and forsook him, his mother was there at the cross. His mother was there at the cross. His mother's sisters were with her at the cross. Family was present when all have forsaken. When, where was Peter? Where was Peter? He had denied knowing him three times. He has run away. Mark, I won't talk about Mark. The scripture clearly was clear. He, he fled naked from the place. And whilst he was arrested, all his men, they fled and forsook him. I don't know where James went. Brother James, he wanted to call down fire. He fled. John fled. Bartholomew, after Thomas, I'm not surprised. He would have gone long ago. Faster than Usain Bolt, he has disappeared. All those people left him. There was a time he was the talk of town, famous. People were coming to his church. But when it mattered most, family was there at the cross. And Jesus did something so significant that before he breathed his last, he made sure family was taken care of. The Bible said he said to John, John, the apostle, the only one who was at the cross. Sorry, I said earlier, where was John? John, the only apostle who was there at the cross. John, the Bible said, Jesus handed his mother over to John to take care of. You see, even on the cross, he had family in mind. May God help you to still love your family in the name of Jesus. Many times, family will do stuff that we don't like. But I want you to understand something today. Whatever any member of your family does, behaviors that you find strange, I can tell you, since you are a member of the family, you could do the same thing, I promise you. You, would do it. you are just like them. 
You behave like them and you look like them. <laughs> it is only the grace of God that has helped you. But anything any of them could do, you can possibly do it because the same gene runs through you. It is the message of God that has brought us this far. So the Bible says they will be unloving. And the unloving there was more particularly to family. But sometimes people can be unloving and do strange things. And the Bible says, and they will be unforgiving. 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 In the past one week, I've preached on forgiveness. And I want you to understand, it is the character of the Godhead to forgive. It is the nature of God to forgive. It is not the nature of men to forgive. Because since the fall of man, the nature of man has been to retaliate, to fight back, to destroy. But the Spirit of God, who is God, the Holy Spirit, when he lives in you, produces the effect of forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the last days, when people begin to backslide, they will be unforgiving. There will be people in church who are so unforgiving, you wonder, what is the difference between them and those who are saved? And when you are doing these things, don't think you are justifying your position. It's a very clear sign and symptom of backsliding. The chances of you making it when Christ returns is looking very slim when you have this very nature and you are in church. You know, when we are in church, when we are born again and we are seeking revenge, we justify our behavior. But I want you to know your behavior must be informed, influenced by the Holy Spirit and not by the flesh. Right on the cross, Jesus in 24 hours suffered 12 different things that causes pain, animosity, revenge. But his first utterance was, Father, forgive them. What is it that you have endured that Christ did not endure in 24 hours? Rejection, denial, betrayal, abuse, false accusation, slander, slappings, spittle in his face dehumanizing behaviors, all kinds of things were thrown at him in 24 hours, in 24 hours. And yet his statement on the cross was, Father, forgive. Anytime Jesus taught us prayer, he linked it to forgiveness. The one who answers prayer, teaches prayer and links it to forgiveness. And we are proud that we are not forgiving. We are proud that we want to get back at them. We are proud that we will revenge. God himself said, vengeance is mine. When you want to revenge, you are taking the place of God. You can't be God. You will die. You will die if you try to be God. And you are taking God's office. The last time a king of Israel tried to usurp an office that was not his own, he lost his kingship. Saul the king tried to offer sacrifice. That is only the office of the priest and the prophet to perform. Someone said, wait for me. He didn't wait. It doesn't matter the hard time that was going on. When he tried to venture into an office that he was not called for, God brought his kingdom to an end. Don't take God's place. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to be forgiven in Jesus' name. The Bible says, and they will be unforgiving. They will slander others. They will, this, you see, that's what I'm saying. That when people's conscience become seared with hot iron, as the scripture says in Timothy, <laughs> <laughs> you will find out that they do certain things so easily and you ask whether they have a conscience. You may think you are being smart, but you are backsliding. The Bible says they will slander others and will have no self-control. 
To slander means to speak evil of other people. To destroy the reputation of somebody. To lie about them. And these things happen in churches. They lie about you. And they are happy to be lying. Just to protect themselves. Whatever you will speak negatively about somebody. Just so as to protect your interest. Let it be known to you. You are sowing the seeds for your own destruction in the future. The Bible says they will slander others when you find yourself that you are a Christian. But you easily lie about others. Slander others. When you hear things about people, you don't go to cross-check their side of the story. You believe it. You take an entrenched position. Have you? What kind of Holy Spirit is in you? Have you checked with the Holy Ghost whether what you heard was true or not? Why are you not doing that? If you are not doing that, it's a sign that you are backsliding. Church, I came as an old prophet to announce to you Jesus is coming soon. And these behaviors are signs that you are not being fully led by the Holy Spirit. You are backsliding. You are falling within the dangers of the last days. And if Christ should return, you may not make it. You may not make it. Look at the scripture. The Bible says they will slander others and they will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will hate what is good. When they are being told to do what is good, they will hate what is good. They will hate good advice. They will hate good behavior. They hate anything that would like to correct them. They hate it. When a pastor tries to correct them, they hate the pastor now. <laughs> they hate the pastor. One day Paul experienced it in Galatians and he wrote to them and said, Have I now become your enemy because I told you what is true? Because I told you the truth. Set people can't handle truth. They can't handle what is right. But you can't be a Christian who don't like what is good. When we come to that place and we begin to hate what is good, it's a sign that we are fulfilling prophecy negatively. The Bible says in verse 4, they will betray their friends. Hey. And they will be reckless in their behaviors. They will be puffed up with pride. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. They are full of, they are puffed up. <laughs> puffed up with pride. They won't say sorry. They don't know how to apologize. They will not. They are entrenched in their position. They are forever right. They are forever right. And they are in church. What kind of Holy Spirit is in you? <laughs> Even God repented. When Moses approached him in intercession and said, you, you can't kill all these people as you have originally planned to do. The Egyptians will say that you didn't have enough to take care of them. The Bible says, and God repented of his decision. But as for you, nothing can you are. You are you. You are full of yourself. Nothing. You, you are right. You are Mrs. Right, Mr. Right. Nothing. You don't, you don't make mistakes. You are perfect. And the Bible says they will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. Arrogance. Arrogance. Sometimes we don't pray because we are full of ourselves. We think we can do everything by our own might. You know, they say things that like, my own might has gotten me this. One day I was talking to a man and said, my money, <laughs> my own strength has gotten me this money. I don't give my money just like that to church. I said, okay, praise God. Your money. <laughs> Very soon we shall see whose money it is. Pride. Listen, there is nothing that we own. See, one of the causes of pride is because of what we think we have. Either we think we are beautiful, handsome, eloquent, well-educated, etc., all those things will go into the grave one day. The Bible says there's nothing you have that was not given to you. 
And if you have it, why do you boast as if it was not given to you? Romans chapter 4. Why do you boast as if it is not given to you? Everything we have was given to us. Christ, the Bible says, he humbled himself and was obedient to the Father's instruction to die a death, death on the cross. It is humility that sponsors elevation. Hallelujah. I said humility sponsors elevation. Humility sponsors promotion. When we want promotion and we want elevation, it is humility that promotes that. Pride brings us down. Satan's problem was pride and he came down. If Satan could be cast down from the presence of Almighty God, who do you think you are? You, you were not created with gold as your skin. Satan was not created from the dust of the ground. You were created from the dust of the ground. Satan was specially handcrafted by God. His skin is not made up of the dust of the ground. That's why he will return to the dust as it was. He was made of gold and silver and diamond and precious stones. And yet, by pride, God cast him down. Anytime God sees pride, he will resist you. May God help us to humble ourselves in the name of Jesus. Whatever makes us proud, may we come down. The Bible says, and they love pleasure rather than God. They love pleasure rather than God. Are you loving pleasure rather than God? When it's time to hear the gospel, what is taking your attention? Online services has exposed people who love themselves and love pleasure than God. Many people try to deceive their own selves and think they are deceiving their pastors and church. They log on, but they are not there. And they are watching other things. Their attention is on other things rather than the undiluted, unadulterated word of God. David said, your word is honey. Do you have revelation of the word? When you have revelation of the word, you can't be paying attention to something else when God's word is being shared. Where do you stand in the spirit as a child of God? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What do you substitute church service for? You are loving pleasure than God. Oh, I've got a function. Really? You've got a function. So you won't be in church. I've got a function. So I'm not ushering today. You've got a function. On the day you must be on duty for God. You've got a function. What is the guarantee you get to that function? Where is your heart? What's the guarantee? You don't know what will happen in the, five min in the next five minutes. And you are boasting you've got a function. In place of your loving God. Lovers of pleasure rather than God. Are you finding yourself in this? Are you seeing people in, around you loving pleasure rather than God? It's a sign we are in the last days. Check it out. They will act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. They act religious. They know how to speak religious language in church. <laughs> They know how to combine the hallelujahs and the praise God. And they change their voices when it comes to that. But they lack the power that demonstrates the nature of the spirit of God. The Bible says they reject the power. They reject the influence of the Holy Spirit. That will make them stay godly. They act religious. They act religious. But they are not religious. May God deliver the church from all the actors in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stay away from people like that. Is that in your Bible? Stay away. 
Because now, if a Christian is being told to stay away from people, that means that these were people who were already in church. He says, stay away from that. It means these people have backslided. Stay away from people like that. Who are your friends? What has light got to do with darkness? What has the temple of God got to do with the temple of idols? You are a temple of God. Who is your best friend? Who are you connecting with? Are you influencing them or they are influencing you? According to God, you are light. I haven't seen any light that has been influenced by darkness before. If we have darkness influencing light, great madness has arrived. The mother of all confusion has precipitated. Light and darkness don't look alike at all. And you are very comfortable in the midst of darkness. And you don't shine at all. Your friends who are in darkness don't see any difference at all. As I've said, anytime light looks like darkness, there is something wrong with the light. The Bible says they will act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. They reject the influence of the Holy Spirit, but they are in church. They reject the voice of the Holy Spirit. They will not walk in holiness. They look like unbelievers. There are people I see in church sometimes. They, they don't look like Christians to me at all. They are not Christians, actually. They just have our church name. They just came through New Life School. They, are, they don't allow themselves to be disciples. They know more than the church. They have become senior pastors to the pastor. They are master critics. But there's no iota of holiness around them. They don't smell holy at all. Their utterances is just, you can tell, these are like unbelievers in church. Repent in Jesus' name for Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a church that is without spot and wrinkle. And you are the church. You are the church. Stay away from people like that. May we be very righteous. And don't be bothered about whether they say, and you are judging me. Yes, I'm judging you. I'm judging you by the word of God. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Say, hey, they said, don't, thou shalt not judge. Okay, this scripture also says, you must live like this. You want to quote a scripture to tell me the scripture says we should not judge? The scripture says you shall not slander one another. Are you obeying that one? The scripture says you shall not commit fornication or adultery. Are you obeying that one? You are talking about thou shalt not judge. Which scripture are you reading? You like only that one, that shall not judge. Follow the rest of the things he said. In Jesus' name. This, look at verse 6. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes. And they win the confidence of vulnerable women. Who are burdened with the guilt of sin. And controlled by various desires. The Bible says this kind of people. Who backslide from church. Who may be in church. They are in church, but they are backslide. That, that, the fact that they haven't stopped coming to church doesn't mean they are still righteous. That's what he's describing. He said, these people, they work their way into people's homes. And they win the confidence of vulnerable women. You see, <laughs> please, women, forgive me, but this one of the problems are caused by women in the church. You see, Paul is saying that they go and talk to women, not men. Men reason things. They question things. But most of the women, unfortunately... They just believe. They say something about pastor. You just believe it. You don't have sense to go and ask the pastor. The scripture says so. But that one, you just believe it. 
They are all just wicked here. Really? You yourself, you have forgotten yourself that the church was there for you. You've forgotten. They work into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin. They themselves, they are sinning. They need somebody to sponsor them. And they are controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. They are always following new teachings, new revelation. What did you do with the last revelation? They are following new passages. They are saying big amen on social media. They are not practicing simple things. They are busy shouting, What have you done for yourself? As far as the word of God is concerned. Shouting amens and I receive it. Without actually working in line with the word of God, you will receive nothing. Such women are forever following new teachings. New revelation, new pastor there, new this one, new this. And their life is still not changing. Nothing changes. God is not a magician. It is a magician who performs even when the people are not ready. You just come and stand there. Whether a crowd stands or not, just could you imagine? Could you imagine? Then he just throws some things around. The things are just, he doesn't need you to have faith in him. He will work. God is not a magician. He expects you to walk in line with his word. In line with the word. Then you experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that these teachers oppose the truth. See, the Bible says, <laughs> the people who go and do these things, they were already teaching in church. Some of them are supposed to have been people who have been in leadership. Or they should know. They have been in church for a long time. The Bible says they go to people's homes. Who themselves are having vulnerabilities and go and lie to them, draw their attention. These teachers they oppose the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. These guys, according to Jewish history, these were the two spiritual advisors of Pharaoh who resisted Moses when they also threw their rods down. The Jews knew their names, they are called Janus and Jambres. These days, we find them also in church, they oppose the Moses in church. They oppose their ministry. They oppose every truth in the word. These teachers oppose the truth. The Bible calls them teachers. They are false teachers. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in the last days, there will be false prophets and false teachers. I came to announce to you, false teachers are dangerous than false prophets. Yeah. You see, for teaching, you have to sit down and study. For prophecy, it can be inspirational. So prophets can give an excuse. I didn't hear right. But for teaching, you can't say I didn't hear right. So it's deliberate to mislead other people. The Bible says these people, they oppose the truth. They have depraved minds and counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for a long time. See, sometimes they get away with this. And they think they have, oh, the church is not seen. Pastor hasn't seen. Nobody has seen. And they are working behind the scenes and destroying and sabotaging the work. Sabotaging people. Sabotaging the ministry. And they are in church. And sometimes they are in influential positions. And they are doing things. And they think nobody is seeing. The Bible says they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are. I didn't say it all. The scripture said it. Just as with Janus and Jambres. The Bible says, someday everyone will recognize. Very soon, people will recognize these people. May God help you not to become like this in the name of Jesus. Verse 10. 
The Bible says, but you, now this is a sign. These are the signs, what we have read from verse 1 to 9, are the signs of behaviors in the last days, of backsliding behaviors. These were people in church before, and now they've moved into such a state. That's what the Bible says, he that thinks he stands should take heed lest he falls. Now we are being told exactly how we must behave so that we don't fall into this. So that we don't fall into the company of these people. The Bible says, by you, Timothy. I told you earlier on in my introduction, anywhere you see Timothy, put your name there. But you, Charles, you, Israel, you, Equa, you, Araba, you, Albert, You, Andrew, you, Corbina, and you, Suzanne, know what I teach. Amen. Equa, do you know what I teach? He says, know what I teach and how I live and what purpose, what my purpose in life is. I can dwell on Jezebel's 10 and tell you that your purpose in life in ministry is linked to what you teach and what you live. Hallelujah. You must know what your pastor, if the pastor is a true pastor, you must know. You must know the things that are taught. You must remember them. You must be ready to live them and practice them. Timothy, these are the dangers of the last days. These are the dangers of things that can happen. This is the danger even in church. That there's a group like that in church. But he says, you must know the things that I teach. And you must know how I conduct myself or your senior pastor lives his life. And what my purpose in life is. May you know the purpose of your church. Hallelujah. Of the ministry. Of your life as a believer. And the things that we teach, that you will teach the same things. And that you will leave them. We can't teach what we don't leave. Otherwise, we become hypocrites. We must leave what we teach. And when we leave what we teach, we fulfill purpose. Those are the three things you see standing out there. What I teach, how I live, what my purpose is. Verse the next one says, because you know my faith. See, Timothy, you're supposed to know the faith of your pastor, your senior minister. You, the faith, you must have faith. Hallelujah. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Glory be to Jesus. So we must have faith, our faith to be in Jesus Christ. We must have someone who genuinely is called by God that we model our lives after them. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. All of us have grown in God because we followed a particular person's model of behavior. Paul said, look at me and observe my faith in the Lord. You need to have faith in God in difficult times. In difficult times, your faith must still be in God. And faith is not only what we say, but what we do. Hallelujah. Faith is what you do in Jesus' name. It's called action faith. And then it says, my patience, those filled with the Holy Spirit, in challenging times, they have patience. Patience, being able to endure certain things patiently. Patience doesn't mean stop and do nothing. It means still going through things, but you are actually waiting for the Lord while still preparing yourself in the process. Patience. And my love, 
No matter how trying the challenges and times become, your love for God and your love for people must not change. Paul said, you know my love and my endurance. That means that you are enduring things. You are going through hardship. The Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went through pain of insults and abuse and he did not lose his temper to insult back. Like when the guy spat at him, he will spit back to show how powerful he is. You know, he can really bring up a lot of saliva in a few seconds by the power that is in him. <laughs> His saliva can drown that soldier, but he didn't. He controlled himself. His love, hallelujah. He was endurance. So you need another thing. You need faith, you need patience, you need love, and you need endurance. And in endurance, look at what he brought in there. Verse 11, it says, you know how much persecution and suffering I endured. Hey, this is not enjoyment. This is something you endured. That means that you, you build stamina for these things. You go through them and believe in God and trusting God that he will see you through. You don't do anything silly because things are not working. You still walk in holiness despite hard times. Despite hard times, I'm not going to steal. Because thou shalt not steal. Hallelujah. If I don't have anything to eat, like Paul said, I have learned to abase and learned to abound. In all things, I have learned to be content with what I have. It is endurance. Trusting God until he opens the door. Glory be to Jesus. The Bible says, you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. He went through persecution. God still rescued him. He didn't say persecution will not come. It will come, but the Lord will rescue you out of it. When you serve God, you'll be persecuted. Sometimes you'll be persecuted with false accusations. Endure it. Hallelujah. Go through it with dignity. Let God fight your battles for you. God knows how to deal with those who put their mouth on you. In Jesus' name. When God's hand is on you, he will handle those who put their mouth on you. So, serve God. Paul said, you know my son in the ministry. What I endured. We endure things. We go through things. These are not things that you are supposed to naturally have a DNA or gene that calls for. But for the sake of the calling of God, you go through all kinds of things. But the Lord rescued me from all of them. Yes, and everyone, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We can go home with this one. You don't like this prophecy. If you want to serve God, you will suffer persecution. Hey! Everyone, say everyone. everyone. Who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. This is gospel. <laughs> this is the word of God. If you want to live a holy life, you will suffer persecution. So the existence of attacks is not an indication of the absence of God's presence. Are you here? Or should I repeat what I said? I said the existence of persecution, the existence of attacks, it's not an indication of the absence of God's presence. God will still be present, but you will go through some things. It toughens you for the next level. Praise God. So live a holy life. 
When Joseph decided to live a holy life, he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Ladies and gentlemen, let the false accusers gang up. They will make you famous, number one, but they will be pushing you towards your destiny if you handle it with dignity. In Jesus' name, Moses was falsely accused. David said, false witnesses rose up. They led to my child things I don't know about, but it finally put him up the throne. God knows that these times will come. Handle it with dignity. He said all those, he was telling, this is the real thing about the Christian faith. If you will live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. There are Christians who are suffering today because they stand against LGBTQ, WFPF, all those numbers. The, the, the confusion of the alphabet itself tells you the confused state of this whole thing. But whatever it is, because they started with one, now, now they start Q, now, then they have a plus. That means all things. And people can fall in love with a stone. I mean, can you imagine this? So you want to have a sex? You want to have sex with your books. Well, what is wrong with you? And they are legalizing this? And if you stand for it, they are going to gang up and fight you. They are a bunch of intolerant group of people that we are seeing on the face of the earth. They want to be tolerated and yet they are intolerant in black places. They push for people to be sacked because people don't agree with that lifestyle. Footballers who don't agree with that lifestyle, they push media campaign to let them lose their places on the national teams. What, what kind of disorder is this? And nobody's afraid to speak. We speak on behalf of God. It is a sin. It's a sin. And if you are a believer, stand for the truth. Recently, I heard a pastor in America say, I'm not going to speak against them anymore because one of them helped them to get license or the planning permission for their church building. You are a disgrace to the body of Christ. You are a disgrace to the things of God. And God will ask you a question about this misbehavior. God is sovereign. Whatever he has made a law stands firm. And if you don't believe that God can make provision and you believe the devil can provide for your needs, one of these days, you ask you a question. This pastor, if you hear me, you are a disgrace to the body of Christ. You are a disgrace to the body of Christ. And the day I meet you, I will tell you in your face, you are an embarrassment to the calling of God. An embarrassment to the body of God. God judged Sodom and Gomorrah because of this. May the Lord raise voices. Holy voices, great prophets of God and apostles of God who will stand for what is true, irrespective of the attacks of the enemy. The Bible says in the last days, these things shall happen. And the scripture says, everyone who will live a godly life will suffer persecution. If you stand for holiness, they will mock at you. They will call you brother holy. Sister Mary, virgin, they will mock at you. But God's time will vindicate you. In Jesus' name. But the Bible says, verse 13, evil people and imposters will flourish. They will appear to be flourishing. They will deceive others, but they themselves will be deceived in the end. The Bible says in Psalm 37, don't, be, don't fret when you see evil people prospering. But sometimes people say, oh, you people, you are always spiritual, but you are poor. Those who don't know God, look at how prosperous they are. You call that prosperity? They are not prospering. Spiritually, they are dead. And anything they acquire, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? In Jesus' name. Evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Verse 14. But you must remain faithful 
to the things you have been taught. Hallelujah. Despite persecution, remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You have been taught holiness. You have been taught righteousness. You have been taught faith in God Almighty. You have been taught to say no to sin. You have been taught not to fight against the will of God. You have been taught to read your Bible every day. You have been taught to pray every day. You have been taught to do what is right in the sight of God. Do these things. Follow it. Win souls. Get people saved. Get people discipled to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, be faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. Hallelujah. May God help you to trust those who taught you genuinely. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from your childhood. And the Holy Scriptures have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. It is the Scriptures that gives us the wisdom to make that choice of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Scriptures are very powerful. They contain the mind of God. They contain the wisdom of God. They contain God himself. The Bible says the Holy Scriptures, from Timothy's childhood, he has grown. May you sow the seeds of the Scriptures in your children at an early age, in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you are late in life, when it comes to the Word of God, there is no lateness. Begin to soak the Word of God. Begin to make yourself available to hear the Word of God. Because everything about life is in the Word of God. The Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God. All the Scriptures. All these canonized Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. They are inspired by God Almighty. And it is useful to teach us what is true. Amen. If you want to find out truth in life, check the scriptures, not what is being banded about. Hallelujah. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It is the word of God that tells us what is wrong. Amen. Amen. So when we look at this LGBT, listen, 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 listen. The word of God is the one that teaches us we, we don't hate. God hates the sin. He loves the sinner, but he calls that thing sin. Jesus didn't die for our weakness. He died for our sins. That thing is a sin. Amen. It's a sin. And the Bible says, and every other thing that is wrong in our lives, the Bible says the word of God makes us to realize that. May the word of God open your eyes to realize what is wrong in your life through the word of God. And the Bible says the word of God, it corrects us when we are wrong. Church, the word of God is a corrector. Amen. It corrects us. And to be corrected means you must be humble to allow the word to correct you. To say that this is wrong, correct it. Go this way now. Change that way of doing things. And it teaches us what to do what is right. To do what is right. I, I just love the verse 16 in the, in the NLT. It's just powerful. All scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful. The Bible is useful for teaching what is true. This evening, I have taught you what is true. Truth may not sound pleasant in your ears, but it is the cure. And the Bible says, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. See, the Bible says, the Bible teaches us what is true. It means that there are no absolutes in life. Contrary to postmodern theories. There is a truth and there is a falsehood of life. There are things that are right and things that are wrong. Praise God. All this, I just, I feel, trans, whatever. You feel. 
Now, if I also feel I'm the prime minister, what are you going to do? I should go out now and tell everybody, I feel I'm the prime minister. I need to occupy town, 10 Downing Street. What? They'll say I'm, I'm sick. I feel presidential. I feel I am an American. I, actually, I feel white. I feel, I feel, I feel I am called Biden. I mean, do, do I sound like I'm all right? I don't know why we are legalizing such things. But the Bible is the one that teaches us what is right and what is wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. God uses his word to prepare, number one, and equip his people to do every good work. Hallelujah. Every good work, the word of God teaches us and equips us and prepares us to do every good work. Church, there are good works to be done. Good things. May God inspire you tonight. May God anoint you tonight. May this word open your understanding. May 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 17, be so, you know, ingrained within your spirit from today. May the Holy Spirit take these words and build them in you until you become the very manifestation of these words. May you be able to articulate the word of God. May you be able to teach the word of God. May you be able to practice the word of God. May you be able to practice all that we have learned this evening. And may you be able to watch out and discern these behaviors that you must not enlist in them in the name of Jesus. May you not be a supporter of anyone who does these evil things. In Jesus' mighty name. Tonight, this word has come to prepare you for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you to understand how things are going to be. We are already in the last days. Don't wait for any further last days. Any other last day from here is going to get worse and worse and worse. And because persecution shall arise, the Bible says the love of many shall wax cold. I pray that when persecutions arise, your faith in God must be strong. May you be like the Christians of old, like the Stephens of old. Whilst they were being stoned, they said, I see heaven open. And I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. He says, ah, my God, do not lay this sin to their charge. It's amazing that Paul prayed the same prayer in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, at my last defense, no man stood with me. May the Lord not lay it to their charge. David suffered persecution, but when he became king, he said, is there not anybody in the house of Saul that I'll show kindness to? Jesus suffered 12 kinds of abuse and persecution. And yet on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. This is the spirit of the believer. This is the spirit of God in the believer. This is the conduct of the Christian that no matter what happens, we serve God faithfully and genuinely. Persecution shall arise. People will backslide. But may you stand firm in the faith. May you not compromise because of what you will lose. May you stand for God in the name of the Lord Jesus.